This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct as we put a bow on the 2017 Stanley Cup Final. Congratulations to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not only did they become the first team since the 97-98 Red Wings to win back-to-back titles, they're the first team to do it in the cap era. So congratulations to them. Sidney Crosby now a three-time Stanley Cup champion, a two-time Conn Smythe Trophy winner for playoff MVP, also has a gold medal scoring the golden goal in the 2010 Olympics, so his resume is set. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but again, congratulations to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Kind of a funny statistic. I don't know if anybody else paid attention to it. I guess it had been brought up, and I did not see it, but I was just thinking in my mind's eye when Pittsburgh was celebrating on the road again, Had they ever celebrated a Stanley Cup on home ice? And the answer is no. All five of their Cups have come on the road. Their first one in 91 in Minnesota, 92 in Chicago, 2009 in Detroit, last year in San Jose, and this year in Nashville. So they certainly have spent a lot of time around the country celebrating a Cup, but never doing it home. And the last time that a Pittsburgh team won a championship in Pittsburgh you got to go back to the Bill Mazeroski home run in the 1960 World Series against the New York Yankees. So it's been a long time since Pittsburgh has been able to see for themselves live their team win a championship in the city proper, but still five championships. They tied the Edmonton Oilers for the most Stanley Cups by a non-original six team. And just an amazing uh, performance and an amazing series. But let's get to Game 6 a 2 nothing victory for Pittsburgh, in essence a one nothing victory. And, of course, that goal came very late. Patrick Hornquist, the former Predator, scores at the 18-25 mark of the third period to win the game. Former Ranger Carl Haglund puts it the empty netter to finally put it away. But, of course, the controversy goes back to the first period. It seems like there was a lot of controversy in this series for sure. And this one really hurt because Nashville should have taken a one to nothing lead on the first period on a Sissons goal. But if you've watched a lot of hockey, and I've called a lot of hockey, and of course I've seen a lot of hockey live, and and, and so has anybody who listens to this podcast, we can all recite chapter and verse times that has happened in a game that you were watching where the whistle was blown and the puck was still available. Now, you heard the rule, and I thought Doc did a great job explaining it, Eddie, Pierre, during the broadcast, that when an official loses sight of the puck, He, by rule, is supposed to blow the whistle. There isn't supposed to be a lag. There isn't supposed to be a wait and see. If he loses sight of the puck, he blows the whistle, either of the two officials. So you have a building of 17,000-plus. You've got the 10 players on the ice. You've got the two linesmen, the two officials. You've got everybody watching on television. You've got every announcer, every media member. Everybody could see the puck. But as long as one of those two officials loses sight of the puck, he's supposed to blow the whistle. And Kevin Pollock lost sight of the puck. And if you see where he was in the corner, you could see where he would have lost sight of the puck. Should he have waited? Should he have given a split second more? Had he done it, Nashville scores and maybe Nashville wins the game. But he lost sight of the puck. And I don't know if there's anything you can do about it. If you're a football fan out there, you know whistle blows and there's a a recovered fumble for a touchdown. The touchdown comes back. They can't allow possession to change. But in a situation like this, You look at the replay, and maybe if the whistle doesn't blow, 
somebody in Pittsburgh might have been able to defend it. Maybe there's a slight letdown when they hear the whistle, and that could have been all the difference of Sissons poking in a free available puck to actually being defended. There's nothing you can really do about it because once that whistle blows, players stop playing, and it changes the outcome. So it stinks for Nashville. It would have been a different game, I believe, had they protected a one-goal lead. You don't know the fallacy of the predetermined outcome, and they certainly played well and didn't allow another goal until the final minute and a half of regulation. But still, it would have been a much different game, a much different building had Nashville been able to get that goal. Didn't happen. But, you know, you look back at the game before you start feeling sorry for Nashville, 0 for 4 on the power play, including a 52-second 5-on-3 where they could have very easily scored there. Pittsburgh did not have a power play in the game, so nobody could talk about conspiracy theories. Oh, they didn't want Nashville to win the game. Pittsburgh did not have a power play in a decisive game for them to win the Stanley Cup. So... Stop with the conspiracy theories. It happens, but Nashville had plenty of time to get up from it. They had two-plus periods, and they couldn't get it done. And you start, you have to start tipping your cap to the champions, all right? I know there's a lot of people out there that don't love the Pittsburgh Penguins. They don't love Sidney Crosby. But the fact is, they're the best team in the National Hockey League. They've been for the last couple of years. And then take a look at what's happened over the last few games. Nashville did not score a goal for the last seven periods of the National Hockey League Stanley Cup playoffs. He shut out in Game 5, shut out in Game 6. I mean, what are you supposed to say? So... You're not scoring any goals. You can't afford to have one taken away, but it didn't happen in the last second of the game. There was still time to overcome. You had four power play opportunities, two of which you didn't even get a shot on goal. A five-on-two, a five-on-three for 52 seconds did not cash in. So I'm sorry. Nashville probably deserved a bit of a better fate as far as that situation is concerned, but there was plenty of time to be able to get up from it. But Nashville should never feel bad for what happened as far as their season's concerned. They put hockey on the map in the South. They put hockey on the map in Nashville. The atmosphere was so tremendous, which now I think has made that team and that city thrive even more. I think P.K. Subban on the grand stage, I think, showed you what he's available to do. Uh, That defense was tremendous, led by Roman Yossi, one of the best offensive defensemen in the league. I mean, there were just so many great stories coming out of Nashville. The job that Peter Laviolette did, the way this team overcame some serious injuries. Ryan Ellis basically playing on one leg, then gets hit, blocking a shot in the knee, and has to hobble for the rest of the game. Uh, Arvidsson, the way he played. Forsberg, the way he played throughout the playoffs although probably needed a little bit from him in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, but just And then the guys that we never really even heard of going into these playoffs, the, the Aubergs and the Gaudreaux, I mean, so many players really came to play for the Nashville Predators. So you have to tip your cap to their performance. This is not a one-hit wonder. This is not a team that's just a flash in the pan, Cinderella ride. This is a good hockey team that learned a lot of good lessons. The only unrestricted free agent they have is Mike Fisher, so they can keep a lot of their good players. Maybe things are different. Ryan Johansson doesn't get hurt, and I'm sure that's going to help them when he's healthy coming up next year. So there's a lot that Nashville can feel very prideful about. They gave it the best go that they can give, but Pittsburgh turned out to be the better team. And as I said, congratulations to Pittsburgh. They could have went a million different ways with their con Smythe. You could have given it to Malkin. You could have given it to Gensel. Uh, certainly Murray was tremendous, especially in the Stanley Cup final. Amazing. This guy's got two rings. He's barely 23 years old. He's technically a rookie, already winning a cup like Ken Dryden did before his rookie season, um, overcomes the injury to come back and lead his team to a Stanley Cup for back-to-back years. So with all the talk about who the best goaltender is in the National Hockey League, 
Matt Murray has staked his claim right now as the guy with back-to-back Stanley Cup championships on his resume, and he's only 23 years old. you got to feel good for Matt Cullen. Uh, he wins his third Stanley Cup at the age of 40. Not sure what his future is going to be like if he wants to continue to play, but I thought he was tremendous winning face-offs, killing penalties. He was on the ice for that five-on-three, the only forward to kill those 52 seconds, which is a major turning point in the game. Chris Kunitz wins his fourth Stanley Cup, the most among active players in the National Hockey League. Uh, certainly Kessel's been great in back-to-back championships. Hornquist, tremendous as well. How about their blue line? Mata coming back from his injuries. Schultz the same. Daly, who couldn't play last year against San Jose, plays and lifts the Stanley Cup. Ian Cole getting some major time. Congratulations to Ron Hainsey. Never been in the playoffs before in his career, and he finally gets there after getting traded from Carolina to Pittsburgh and wins the Stanley Cup, and he was not a passenger. He was mainly uh, involved and did a lot of great things to be able to help that team win. But really, it begins and ends the conversation with Sidney Crosby. You know, we had a lot of things to say about him on Friday, about his nastiness, how dirty he can be at times. But I've always disclaimered any kind of criticism I've had of Sidney Crosby by saying that he is the best by far in the National Hockey League. You talk about Kane and Taves. You could talk to me about uh, Getzloff. You could talk to me about what the uh, McDavid has done, what Matthews has done. There's a lot of tremendous players in this league, but Sidney Crosby's resume speaks for itself, and he was an absolute beast, a beast in Game 5. He was a great player in Game 6, although he did not uh, register a point, but he is certainly a dangerous player, certainly compromised what Nashville wanted to do every time he was on the ice, and now, as I mentioned early in the podcast, a three-time Stanley Cup champion, a two-time Smythe Trophy winner. He's won the scoring the golden goal for Team Canada in 2010. I mean, his resume is just tremendous, and he's still got a lot left to give. And the fact that he's had that second career, right? He suffered those concussions, and it looked like that maybe Sidney Crosby's career would be compromised. Not over, but certainly compromised. That maybe he could not get back to the level that we saw when he first came into the league, when he went to the Stanley Cup Final in 2008, won a championship in 2009. Remember blowing that 3-1 series lead against the Rangers in 2014. It seemed like the Penguins couldn't get out of their own way, and that the, the era of dominance for Sidney Crosby was coming to an end, but now it's clicked back in with back-to-back championships. He had a phenomenal, a phenomenal regular season. Uh, the most goals he's ever scored in a single season in his career. I mean, you take a look at his regular season, 44 goals, 45 assists for 89 points. He was a plus 17, and now in the playoffs, in 148 career playoff games, 57 goals, 107 assists for 164 points. He's averaging over a point a game in the postseason for his career. A plus 15. He has scored 67 power play points on 18 power play goals. And like I said, he's only 29 years old. So a lot of talk about the future of the National Hockey League with the Matthews, with the McDavid's, with the Line's. But Sidney Crosby is still the best player in the National Hockey League, and he continues to add to his credentials. And there is a possibility, as ridiculous as this may sound, he's got more cups than Lemieux as far as a player is concerned. And when it's all said and done, who would have thought that there was even a possibility that there could be a better player in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins than Mario Lemieux? Sidney Crosby is certainly in a fast track to maybe, when it's all said and done, being the greatest player in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, which I don't think anybody ever would have thought. All right, 
Let's hear from you. A lot of people want to talk about what happened last night, certainly, and just talk in general about the National Hockey League and how they feel about the situation right now. Obviously, the Stanley Cup playoffs were certainly the main topic of conversation, but this is a hockey podcast. It's about any team. It's about any question that you have. That's what we're here for, and we want to be able to do that with you and being interactive with you, which I think is very, very important. And obviously, there's a lot of people that want to chime in uh, about the Stanley Cup, and certainly somebody just sent me a, a tweet with a picture of the Penguin logo in the NBC logo saying Penn BC from Ed. Hey, listen, they talked up Nashville. You can't, I know there's a lot of people. Pittsburgh is one of those teams now. They become the Dallas Cowboys, they've become the New York Yankees. You either love them or hate them because they've got that kind of level of dominance. And we've seen it over several different eras now with the Pittsburgh Penguins. In their 50th anniversary, 10% of their of their history has been winning a Stanley Cup. They've gone to six finals. They've been important to the National Hockey League. But you cannot tell me if you're unbiased that that NBC broadcast was anything about the games. They loved Nashville. They talked up Nashville. They talked up the Penguins. When you've got two of the best players in the National Hockey League on one team, cross Crosby and Malkin are going to be talked about, but you cannot say they didn't talk up uh, Nashville, and you cannot say that the league was against the Penguins. They did not have a power play last night, people. Stop it. Uh, Liam says, disappointed to see game-winning goal go in off a weird bounce, especially after Preds had got gotten a goal taken away on a quick whistle. You'd want to see a nice goal. You'd like to see it on a nice rush. But you know what? That was a really creative play by Hornquist. He runs out of real estate, banks it off the back of the goaltender, Rene. And and listen, both goaltenders were terrific, right? We finally saw a game where both goaltenders were on top of their game, and that's what you see. And sometimes that's what ends up happening when you have a goal uh, like that. Uh, Chris says, really upset. I want to believe that the series was fair for the most part. I don't like the idea that the Pens might have won by cheating. I mean, there's no uh, there's no cheating. It was just, it just, that's the way that it works out. I mean, sometimes when you get something so close, there's always going to be a call. There's always going to be something that doesn't go your way. You can't always freak out about conspiracy theories and blaming the officials. I'm seeing a lot of people saying there's the worst officiated um, playoffs. Listen, I don't care if you think I'm coming off as an apologist for the league, but I got to be honest with you, and I'm not going to name any names, but there's some people and people that I actually do respect who cover the sport that they whine and moan and groan about how bad the officiating is, how bad the league is, how bad Bettman is. Listen, the National Hockey League is doing the best job that they can, and these officials are trying to do the best job they can. Of course they're going to come across as the worst. This is the fastest game in the world. You guys on skates going 30 miles per hour. Yeah, we can scrutinize every call, looking at replays, different angles, slow-mo, super slow-mo, um, out there expanding the picture, blowing up the picture to see if it crossed the line, if he was offside. It's a very difficult game to officiate. It is, and there's going to be calls that are going to be missed. The Nashville Predators did not lose this Stanley Cup on poor officiating. They lost this Stanley Cup because their goaltender couldn't win a game in Pittsburgh, and they couldn't get a goal when they needed it. They were 0-4 for 4 on the power play with a long 5-on-3 to get the first goal of the game, and they didn't do it. It's going to happen. Robert asks, do you think that Sather has regrets not offering coaching job to Sullivan when Torts was fired? There's nothing wrong with A.V. A.V. had a resume. Uh, all there was it was an interim uh, opportunity for Sullivan before in his career. I don't think anybody, including the Pittsburgh Penguins, knew exactly how good a coach this guy could be. I'm so happy for Mike Sullivan, but 
I think the Rangers did what they had to do with Elaine Vigneault. He had been a guy that went to a Stanley Cup playoff with Montreal, went to a Stanley Cup final with Vancouver. Um, certainly Mike Sullivan deserves a tremendous amount of credit, but I don't think that uh, any of the organizations that passed on him necessarily regret it. Um, Pat e- Pat says, just have sat down with some pizza ready for overtime, and then Hornquist scored. No rooting interest, but I was disappointed, and so was I. I wanted to see a Game 7. We hadn't seen a Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Finals since 2011, and if you remember, Boston blew out Vancouver in that Game 7. I was hoping for a classic, and it just did not happen. Will says, as much as I may have been rooting for P.K. Subban and the Preds, if Sid's leadership, it's Sid's leadership that ruled the day and the series. Absolutely, there's no question about that. Uh, Brett Lustig, one of our favorites here, says, Preds robbed on their goal. I get the rule if the ref loses side of the puck, but if a go- but it was a goal. Thoughts on Ruff going to the Rangers? I think there's a very good possibility Lindy Ruff will be an assistant with Elaine Vigneault. I don't think it's a threat to Elaine Vigneault. I think that if they Scott Arneal does get a job someplace else, although the Panthers went with Bob Bugner, so it doesn't look like he's going to Florida. But Lindy Ruff you know, knows the organization. Certainly a lot of guys with the Rangers played for him within the organization and former players. I think that would be a very good fit. Now, Guy's got a lot of tweets, but he's been such a, such a great fan of the game misconduct that I wanted to be able to read them all here. Uh, guy says, congrats to Pitts. They deserve to win. As a Ranger fan, got to give Crosby credit. He's one tough SOB as well as the best. Uh, the only good thing about NHL hockey coming to an end is that it's the beginning of the summer. Thank you so much for the podcast. It was absolutely wonderful interacting with you. You are the best. Uh, and are you doing anything for the expansion draft, sorry for too many tweets. It's hard to get it all in in 140 characters. But, Guy, I gave you the um, the opportunity to do it because you've been such a good listener and supporter of game misconduct. Uh, the last two, obviously, to get into is thank you very much for the podcast. I love doing it. I love the fact that you guys love it too, and we're going to continue to do it. And we are going to do something for the expansion draft. We're going to do something for the draft. We're not going to do a podcast every day during the summer. But what we're going to do, and I wanted to get into this here, is that subscribe to the podcast. You know, Go to Apple Podcasts, go to ESPN app, and subscribe. That way you can get alerts when we've got a new one up. Because I'm not going to do it every day, but I'll do something around the expansion draft, which is coming up, going around the entry draft, which is also going to be important. And then, of course, the free agent signing period is going to be big as well. So when there's some big names that sign, I want to be all over that, any coaching changes, anything that happens during the course of the summer that is noteworthy, I want to be able to put a podcast up. But you got to subscribe to it so you can get the alerts to know that there's a new podcast up there. And also follow me on Twitter at, at Don LaGreca, and I will make sure that if there's a new one up there, I will alert you to it. So, again, we won't do it every single day, but we'll try to make sure that we get in a normal groove when something happens, and I don't want you to miss out on anything. Uh, Matt asks, should the Rangers consider trading for Nathan McKinnon? Anytime anybody suggests a trade, I want to know what the Rangers are going to have to give up. There are rumors that McKinnon might be coming here uh, during the last trading deadline. Rangers need some offense. They do. And a McKinnon, a change of scenery from Colorado might actually be a very good thing. Um, Aria says, with the depth and forward, the Rangers' focus should be on acquiring D. What would it take to get Vatanen or Fowler? A lot. I mean, both of those play- players are very highly respected in the Anaheim system, but if you can pry one of them away, I probably would try to pry, pry away Fowler. I think he's a better offensive threat, and I also think he's a little bit uh, 
conducive to what the Rangers are trying to do. Uh, Yahura, I think that would be a tremendous idea to be able to get themselves a, a, a defenseman like that. An offensive defenseman, I think, would be perfect. And then with Brady Shea getting a little bit older, a little bit more mature, I think that would be tremendous. John Shepard said, Friday show played the Sid portion of to my wife, and she said you were bang on with everything, and she loves your honesty. It's true. I mean, we got on Sidney Crosby because I do think he gets away with things and does seem to have an image that is pristine, which is not true, but he's got an image as a winner. He's got an image as being the best player in the National Hockey League, and all those things are very much true. So as much as we might be able to get on Sidney Crosby, we get on everybody in game misconduct. But when you get your due and you do what he has done over the last couple of years and in his career, he definitely deserves a lot of credit. And I think he's the best. I know there's a lot of guys that are going to challenge him for best player in the National Hockey League. He's got one guy on his team in Malcolm that can do that. And certainly Patrick Kane's got his supporters and Taves does nothing but win. And you look at Matthews coming up. You look at some of the play, other players that Toronto has on their team as well uh, with um, Nylander and, and Marner. And then you go to Edmonton and you look at McDavid and you just know that there's going to be some challengers coming down the pike for Sidney Crosby. But right now, he's the best player in the National Hockey League by far. And he is a Stanley Cup champion. So we just outlined how things are going to be during the offseason. Um, so we will have a podcast coming up for the um, expansion draft and the entry draft. So, again, make sure you've subscribed so you can get notices because we will periodically update during the course of the summer. And then once we hit September, we'll do extensive previews on all the teams, extensive predictions on what we think is going to happen in the 2017-18 season because we like being wrong as much as everybody else is. But we need to just remind you that this is a podcast about hockey, about everything hockey. So don't feel intimidated. Don't feel like, oh, they talk a lot of Rangers because Don does the Ranger games or they seem to be focused on the tri-state area more. No. This podcast started as a local podcast in New York because there were a lot of fans of the Rangers, Devils, and Islanders that were not getting their due on local radio, and I wanted to be able to lend my expertise and my passion to those people in the New York metropolitan area. But because of some of the things that have happened with ESPN over the last couple of months, it has expanded nationally. So more and more people are going to get a chance to listen to it. It's more than just about the three local teams in New York. Now, to the people that are fans of the Rangers, Islanders, and Devils, you're going to get yours. I'm going to do it as good as anybody can, getting you the updated information and getting you guests. And I'm also going to expand to the rest of the 27 teams in the National Hockey League, now 28 teams with Las Vegas joining, and give them their due as well. The great thing about podcasting is we don't have to take commercials. We don't have to be off at a certain time. That's the beauty of podcasts. So if I got to do an hour podcast to get everything in, that's when that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to leave what I think is the most important thing happening that particular day. And you get a chance on this podcast to drive the direction by tweeting me at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. You can follow me on Facebook as well. And if you ever want to get something out there, criticisms, comments, complaints, whatever it is, you can do it. This is an interactive show, as interactive as a podcast can be. Believe me, if I could take phone calls on this, I would if I thought it had made sense. But using social media is the best way to get the podcast going. So get involved. So if you're a fan of the Columbus Blue Jackets and you're feeling like you're not getting anything in Columbus and you're feeling like there's a lot of podcasts out there that aren't getting the job done, I can help you out. I will get guests for you if you've got any ideas for guests. I've got other guests that are going to be lined up during the course of the summer. 
So it's about you. If people ask me, what's your podcast about? It's about hockey, and it's about the hockey fan. Not about a particular team, not about a particular area. It's about hockey, and it's about the hockey fans. You guys have been deprived long enough. Am I the best guy that can do it? Probably not. There's probably 100,000 other people that could probably do it better than I can. But in the time being, I want to be able to give you the best that I can. So I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart. This was a tremendous year. This was a labor of love. But what made it so much fun every day to do this was all of the people that tweeted at me, that messaged me about hockey and the fact that you guys really responded to it, and all the people that helped that R.J. Santillo that ran the board and, and recorded this and got this up because I'm just not really good at that type of technology. But all of the different people that helped me out to be able to do this at arenas and cities around the country to try to get this information out to you. We did it pretty much every day. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds of podcasts. But when I saw the numbers of tens of thousands of people that downloaded, that subscribed, especially in the month of May when things really started heating up and the playoffs really started getting hot, the fact that you guys responded was tremendous. So it made it so much easier. I skipped to work every day to be able to do this for you, and you couldn't get me to shut up about it because there's very few outlets in which I had a chance to talk to you. also want to thank all the guests that we had. Too many to mention, but specifically to EJ Raddick. He couldn't come on today. Usually on Mondays he does, but because he's traveling, he couldn't come on. But I'm sure we'll, I will get him on during the expansion draft and during the entry draft as well because he definitely knows his stuff. But thanks to EJ Raddick for coming on. On all the announcers, all the writers, all the different people that really helped this show round itself out. But the biggest thank you has to go to you. You guys are the best. And we had some regulars, uh, Aria and Guy and Brett, um, certainly all of them. Courtney, who didn't uh, tweet today but tweeted throughout uh, the course of the season. Uh, Five-Minute Major, who we haven't heard from since the Rangers were eliminated, but I'm sure he's still looming out there someplace. And some new people like the Hockey 411. Uh, so many different people that tweeted throughout the year. If I forgot you, I'm so sorry, but I, I, my deepest thank you for making this show really go. So congratulations to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Subscribe, Apple Podcasts, ESPN app. And get alerts. Again, we'll do a show for the expansion draft. We'll do a show for the entry draft. We'll do a show during the free agent signing period. And we'll be all over it during the course of the summer. But as far as a daily basis is concerned, we're probably going to have to wait until we get closer and closer uh, to September and the start of the season. So thanks so much for participating this year. Thanks so much for being a part of it. And we will talk to you during the course of the summer. Have a fabulous summer. Have a safe summer. Have a hockey summer. Because the only thing worse than seeing hockey come to an end is having to wait so long for it to finally get going again. But we'll try to bridge that gap for you during the course of the summer with game misconduct. So thanks for listening. Have a great summer. Stay tuned for more periodical uh, game misconducts during the course of the summer. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.